Yeah, I was sitting around here just being all feeling sorry for myself, so I had to go back to the beginning. And lucky you, you get to go back with me. Ha ha ha. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. I am streaming live. I did push the buttons this time. I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Kind of feel like I'm a little hot right here. Why do I hear so much air? Where, oh, there we go. Don't need to have that much air coming in. Anyway, 55 years ago this Christmas Eve, we did something that had never been done before. America dared to put some guys on top of an explosive, pop that thing, and it shot them into space, and they went to the moon. And I'm talking about Apollo 8. Frank Borman, he died last Tuesday, 95 years old. He was the captain of that mission. He was the sole astronaut member of the review board after the Apollo 1 fire. And he participated in what was at that time, up to that point in 1968, the most viewed television event ever watched. And this occurred during a time when we were at a lot of turmoil. 1968 was the year of two prominent assassinations, Martin Luther King and Robert F. Kennedy. Vietnam War was uh, happening all over the place. And they knew they were going to be circling the Earth, or not the Earth, the Moon, on Christmas Eve. So they wanted to do something special. And... All they were told was, say something appropriate. This from NASA official Julian Shear. So, he decided to consult with a guy named Cy Borgen, an official with the U.S. Information Agency that he knew. And he wanted to know what you should say during the Christmas Eve uh, broadcast. And then he asked United Press reporter Joe Layton, who in turn asked his wife. And Layton's wife's suggestion resulted in a moment from the heavens that touched millions on Earth when the Apollo 8 astronauts on Christmas Eve got out there and decided to read from the book of Genesis. We are now approaching uh, lunar sunrise, and uh, for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God That's astronaut Bill Anders. Here comes Jim Lovell. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament. And divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. God said, let the waters Frank of the be gathered together into one place. 
and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. Bill Anders was the one that took the first Earthrise picture when they were circling that. And, you know, that this had never been done before. They had never left low Earth orbit, despite what the texter has to say. <laughs> despite what the texter has to say. We'd never gone through, we had never left low Earth orbit. These guys got in something and didn't know if, they, if it was going to work. The walls of the lunar lander were about the same thickness, the lunar module, as tinfoil. They had no idea what was going to happen. They had no idea what was going to happen when they touched down. Now, these guys, of course, didn't touch the surface. They just orbited the Earth, or, or the moon, rather. And then uh, they, they, they came back. But when they were, and in this moment, while they were circling the moon, they were as remote away from humanity as anybody could possibly be, had, had ever been. That was the furthest humans ever been away from the earth. And they looked back on it, and they didn't see America. They didn't see the United Nations. They just saw the blue marble. They saw the earth rise. And so, the uh, their first thought was to say something to try to be calming and reassuring to everybody, regardless of whatever their political persuasion might have been or anything else. Almost didn't happen. Frank Borman did not want cameras on board. But it did. And that was the most listened to and watched broadcast in the history up to that point. I'm sure the I'm sure Neil Armstrong, he probably knocked him out of first place after that. But up to that point, in the youth of television and the world it was, as with, with three networks only, uh, this was watched everywhere. This was, uh, let's see, I've got, I think one, they were saying one billion people watch this. This was the fulfillment of John F. Kennedy's desire to get to the moon. The guys that went up there, uh, they were they, they had three months less less training to actually do it. They were not originally supposed to go out there. That was fifty five years ago. Frank Borman died last Tuesday at the age of ninety five. After a long, fruitful life, and the the uh, the absolute. I mean, what 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 can a human expect when they? Uh, what do we want when when our time is up? I mean, do we want to be remembered? Well, he will be. He and those guys, Bill Anders and uh, Jim Lovell, not so much. Jim Lovell, of course, was on Apollo thirteen. He's famous for that as well. But uh, Bill Anders, not so much. But he, you know, he did his he did his share. And that moment, I I, I was seven. That was, I didn't know what I was watching. I just heard it. And it, 
you know, as, I, as I'm watching the moonscape go beneath them, I was just uh, mesmerized by it. So, as you go about your day, just remember this. We are capable of great things. Ordinary people are capable of great things. Sometimes they go do things that are foolhardy. At that time, that was foolhardy. They didn't have as much computing power as you do in your phone. And they went to the moon. It's still redeemable. We can still be that. We can be great again. We don't have to sit back and uh, fritter away our lives or something. There's always a chance to do something great at any given time. There will be naysayers. Don't worry about them. Just go do it. Very simple. Very simple principle. So, one texter met uh, Neil Armstrong and Jim Lovell. That would have been something to do. Jim Lovell, Jim Lovell, a uh, very storied astronaut, Apollo 13, the a, a successful failure. And Neil Armstrong, of course, first man on the moon. And for all of you guys that are crying, fake, 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 no. Nah. No. Nah. I don't think so. <laughs> so every time you hear, and, and that's a good thing, Obama saying you didn't build that. No, uh, we built it. America is a great nation. We have done great things. Well, we got other great things to do later. They're coming up. Let's put the climate change propaganda into the proper perspective, shall we? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I've had second thoughts because I'm going to explain why 1968 that why that Apollo 8 was so special. GS Plumbing Talk Line was is was is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. Um, these guys got into a ship. They were the only second man crew to get in on a Saturn V. Well, they were the third, because Apollo 1 was the first. And three astronauts got into Apollo 1 to do something called a plugs-out test, which was a test to see how if the, if the command module would operate nominally once it was umbilicaled. And they did that, and something went, well, there, there was a surge. And when they got in there, one of them uh, noticed a odor that smelled like sour milk. But whatever was going on, when that surge happened, an internal fire started inside the command module, and uh, all three of those astronauts died. And Frank Borman was the sole astronaut that actually sat in on that on that uh, review board and looked at that looked at that uh, that accident and and saw what happened because they reconstructed it all all the way back to where everything originated. And uh, Apollo 7 was the first man to get out there, a manned space mission to get out there and actually fly the thing. And then Apollo 8 was the second one. And Frank Borman, knowing what had happened with Apollo 1, still willingly got in that vehicle and, and let it light up and go. And back then, right? And it still is largely 
this today. I mean, uh, with uh, a rocket engine is basically a controlled explosion. And they take the explosion, they, they ignite it, and it takes off. And it, it burns in stages. It's going, and as soon as it burns out, they let it go, right? They jettison the stage. But when they ignite it, uh, anything that may be wrong, like with the, with, the, with the Space Shuttle Challenger, if something structurally is wrong, once that thing is lit, well, everybody's going to find out about it shortly. So you have to really, I mean, the checklist is everything. I mean, everything they go through is based on a checklist. And these guys, these pilots, these astronauts, they get onto a vehicle that has been checked by a bunch of people they don't know. And in 1968, it was, uh, you know, it was not a very advanced time. And yet they got on the vehicle they got in the vehicle, they took off and flew the vehicle, and they brought it back. And they went somewhere we'd never gone before. I'm being told on the, te on the text line, you're being positive and inspirational. What is wrong? You know, I thought about that. And see, I, I understand that I get dark sometimes. But I'm not trying to be dark for the sake of being dark. I'm, I'm trying to be dark for the sake of being stark. Because a lot of people just walk around, la, 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 and they think everything is this, that, and the other. And I want you to understand that you, as you walk around in your day-to-day -day life, while you're thinking, well, all I do is go to work, come back, uh, cut the grass, go to sleep, wash, rinse, repeat. Um, you are still, you have that capacity. You have the capacity to be extraordinary because you're human because you're an American human we've been led by extraordinary people we have genuine heroes out there that are just regular people you know after Frank Borman stopped being Frank Borman astronaut he went to work for Eastern Airlines and then uh, after that he retired and he just basically just hung out <laughs> like, like any other guy would like any other hero would So, I think one of the biggest re problems that we have today is that we have forgotten the underpinnings of the society, which was based upon a, this Judeo-Christian notion. And uh, I make no, I, I'm not one of those guys that gets out there and thumps the Bible and I can read you passages and all. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, I've had an experience that makes me a believer. I wasn't a believer before the experience, not not to the degree I am now. As a matter of fact, uh, my belief is so strong now that I, I look at some people that you would say, oh my, what a strong person of, of the Lord. I look at them and I just see a charlatan. So, there was a time when Everything was a challenge. And we did it anyway. <laughs> Everything was a new frontier. Everybody doing it was a pioneer. And it, it, it was dangerous. It was dangerous. I mean, not the kind of dangerous where you're getting out of there. Oh, this is going to be bad. The optics going to be bad. People are going to say bad. No, this is the kind of dangerous where you die. And yet people willingly did it. 
Most of these guys that were astronauts back then, I, I don't know what it takes to be an astronaut today. Back then, they were they flew the X-15, which was basically a rocket plane, or they flew the SR-71, or uh, you know they did something that was so outrageous and that it was a very small handful. You know, it was the right stuff, as they would say. So that kind of courage, you look at that and it it, it inspires me. It inspires me to see that kind of courage. And, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, from my time in the military, I used to see a bunch of guys willingly jump, fling themselves out of a perfectly good running airplane or jump off of a perfectly running air, uh, helicopter and do all kinds of things because we had had so many people before us do it that had courage to do it, to develop it, that we just it just became second nature. I mean, my open heart surgery, that was a pioneering experiment when they started it to try to save lives when it, when it happened when when mine was done it was routine they had they had a protocol for everything we live in a world we're surrounded by miracles and uh, we get so caught up in some really nonsensical stuff and the the reason i go dark is because there are bad things out there and a lot of you just simply ignore them you simply ignore them you, you think you think you're one phone call away from saving yourself, and that, that's not the case. And the same kind of courage that those guys used to use, you have to exhibit yourself just in taking care of yourself today. That takes a lot of courage because you have been bred and indoctrinated not to believe that. So I simply say to you that, uh, yes, uh, I do go dark, and I talk about a lot of unpleasant things, and I say a lot of unpleasant things, and that's just because they're real I could, you know, I could come in here and I could just talk about the intricacies of, of this political party or that. And uh, I look at that and it's, it's largely just a facade and I see it as such. And I don't look at politicians and I don't see America. I look at you and I see America. So that's that's what it is. That's all there is. America is made up of you. It is not made up of the political class. We elect the political class and they forget. They forget that. We put you there. We've had three hurricanes that hit land in the U.S., which is not more frequent than normal. Very few deaths. Worldwide deaths from natural disasters run from 0.01% to 0.4%. Exactly how much lower than 0.1% do politicians and bureaucrats think they can do or go if they get their way. Don't they always tell us we have a population crisis as well? We got some of us have got to go, and yet on the other hand, they're saying, "But if we we if we don't do this, we're all going to go." <laughs> and look at how many people die young in underdeveloped countries that don't have that access to the natural energy resources and the hospitals and the medical. You know, why don't they encourage them to develop if they care so much about the disadvantaged? Why do the green pushers contribute so much to keeping countries poor? And then there's inflation. You know, high inflation makes a storm cost even more each year, even though there are fewer storms. So you can have fewer storms and less damage, but it costs just the same. Now, let's put the $178 billion cost in perspective. It's around 0.7% of the $26 trillion economy.
Why would we spend trillions on policies to intentionally destroy so many businesses that directly and indirectly employ tens of millions to save a small sum of $178 billion, even if these policies could change the climate, which they can't? Right now, we're being told the oceans are going to swell up and kill all of us one day. We're all going to be killed by that. And yet, Jeff Bezos just went out and bought a $68 million three-bedroom house on the ocean in Miami. I'm pretty sure whoever's writing his homeowner's insurance is not concerned about that. This past year in California, the wildfires that they had were about 20% of the average of the last five years. The fewest fires in 25 years. Did they get better because of government policies or because people capitulated to electric cars? No, they got better because of record snow and rain, which the fear mongers missed. Because the climate is, you know, first of all, the climate has always changed cyclically. It's impossible to really, really predict what's going to happen. And it's, it's a natural thing. And uh, you never get to see that. You never get to hear about that from the media and the UN and John Kerry and, and Biden and the bureaucrats and all these other ones. We just, we went through a 35-year cooling period from 1940 to 1975. That shows it has always been a lie and a massive fraud. And right now, China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea, do you know what they're not concerned about? They're not concerned about climate change. They're looking at us, ripping ourselves apart because of climate change, which doesn't exist. It's, it's, like, it's like we have some sort of a, the, the government has a mental issue. They see an enemy that is not there. And it's infectious. It's a leftist infection. Well, Chairman Xi is in San Francisco, and, uh, it, well, they, they scrubbed it, but they know. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. And now we are on a flex mission. So let's go to the phones. First with Gene in Simpsonville. Yes, what can I do for you? Uh, uh, no, Greenville. Don't, don't confuse me with the Gene from Simpsonville. Okay, well, I'm sorry. All righty. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I'm being fed my stuff by my producer. He made a slight uh, mistake uh, anyway, well, but your name is Gene, yeah? I think you better straighten him out now. I, okay, I, okay. I gave, I gave him an accolade before I take it back now. Anyway, okay. um your commentary before was interesting. Uh, essentially, the, the globalists are presenting a uh, paradoxical views. At one point, they, they, they need to impose all these restrictions uh, 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 because we're, we're uh, dealing with cl uh, climate crisis. We have a uh, drug crisis, all sorts of crises, right? And yet they want to do this to preserve human life. And on the other hand, they're pushing programs, as you rightfully said, that destroy human life. They, want, they, they, they have this... Uh, this view that uh, uh, 
uh, the, the Malthusian view of the world. If there are too many of us, we have to eliminate them. Then there are too many undesirables, and they have to eliminate them. Remember Oprah's commentary. Then you got Bill Gates, and on and on it goes. You, you know who these people are. Sure. But this is what these people do when they lie. Uh, they want they want to deceive as many people as they can and put them in a position of uh, bewilderment. But there's a, an illustration of this I want to bring to your uh, um, um, to your. Uh, uh, well, I got uh, another caller, so you're going to uh, please get right. to the point Remember really quick. Remember when Barack please. Obama went to Africa when he was president? He, um, hello, hang on. Let's go to Oyster Man and Traveler's Rest. I don't know what happened just there. Hey, hey, Bill, how are hey. you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm confused now, but I'm good. What can I do for you? Understand. Well, I'm going to explain that confusion to you. Okay. Uh, there was a teacher who stood up behind her desk and said, all of you uh, idiots, please stand up. Nobody stood up. <laughs> she walked around in front of her desk. All you idiots, stand up. Nobody stood up. She walked next to the desk. She looked. Uh, she said, I know there's at least one idiot among you out there. Stand up. After a minute, young man stood up, and she said, so you're the idiot. He said, no. You look so lonely up there, I just thought I'd stand up with you. Still confused. Did you get it? That, I, that, 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 you know. <laughs> it explains the idiots there that you you've go. been talking about this morning and all of that. So I just thought I'd make your day, okay? I appreciate that. I, hey, listen, thanks for holding. And uh, I need to get to Traveler's Rest just because that's a beautiful area. I love Traveler's Rest. Do you live over at which side of Traveler's Rest do you live on on the highway? He's gone. Okay, well. I still don't know what was going on with Gene. What happened with that? Did you Were you listening there, Timmy? Yeah. So he he was, did he think we hung up on him or something? I don't know. That's what it sounded like. We didn't hang <laughs> up on you, Gene. We did not hang up on you. I was sitting here waiting for you to get to the point, and, and then you were gone. And you still didn't get to the point. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry that that confusion occurred. If you thought you got hung up on, you did not get hung up on. Yeah. I don't have the phone. I can't hang up on you. So. Oh, no, he, he definitely hung up himself. I don't, okay. I don't know what happened there. Okay. Wasn't your fault, though, right? Nope. I, got it! <laughs> I just like doing that. I just like doing that. I anyway. know, right? Yeah. It's so satisfying. It is. <laughs> so San Francisco went out and cleaned up. And then fenced it off. But, interestingly enough, if you look at what they did after they cleaned up, uh, in order to keep it this way, they had to look like a totalitarian. <laughs> they had to fence everything off. They put a bunch of they put a, a bunch of banners on these fences and on these uh, uh, these barriers in Chinese. In San Francisco, which I don't know how big of a, you know, how big of an entourage Xi travels with. I'm sure it's pretty big, but did you have to get out there and make San Francisco look like uh, Beijing? Not an American flag in sight. All of San Francisco became Chinatown. And 
in the background, they're playing the Chinese national anthem, which includes a reference to building another great wall, <laughs> which is not compatible with the open borders of the Democrats and especially the California Democrats. But hey, they were playing the music. Not surprising. I mean, Newsom got out there back in August and he signed a memorandum of understanding with Vice Governor Chen Hiwa of Hainan. And it provided that, or proved that any American actors have friends in the highest of places, as he's entered into agreement with Chen regarding carbon neutrality plans. You know what else was missing, though, in San Francisco with all of this? The pride flags were gone. None of that proud ally talk from the city and state officials. They shunted aside all of you LGBTQ people. They decided to, instead of fighting the hate and discrimination, they just put it in the drawer for a minute. I didn't push the buttons again. So, you know. And, uh, I, you know, think about that, San Francisco. You got an anti-LGBTQ communist rolling into town. They unfurl the red car carpet, put on the Chinese national anthem, and take down the pride flags. Welcome to California. You're, it's not my world. You're living there. No Black Lives Matter flags either. The FBI is looking at Hamas here in the United States. That should be a matter of concern. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.